Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. It is a gorgeous, perfect fall day here in Vero Beach, Florida, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Um, we're going to be talking about what it takes to achieve today. And I love all the comments and feedback we got from last week's show and so excited that you enjoyed it as much as we did. I got this really great compliment from one of uh, local listeners who um, sent me a, a LinkedIn request and said, I didn't realize it was a local show. And that's the greatest compliment you can give me. I'd love to be syndicated. So if anybody knows anybody out there who can help me get syndicated, that would be great. But, you know, this show is an international show. My guests come from all over the world. And, you know, I love the fact that I've had the opportunity to meet so many amazing people because of the show and because of the speaking and my book and all that work that I do to bring you some of the best and brightest guests and the people that are are really living what they are doing each and every day. They, these are not people that I bring on the show that, you know, just don't walk the talk. These are people that not only walk the talk, they talk the talk, they practice the talk, they keep revising the talk and they do all these amazing things to make sure that what they are telling you is something they've really, really lived. And, I'm excited to do that, and um, we seem to be having a. I, I have a guest scheduled for today, who we're waiting for him to call in. He m- must be having some some phone difficulties. Um, so, but the guest that was going to be on my show today is Yuri Diogenes and Jody Miller, and their book is "Ready, Set, Achieve: A Guide to Taking Charge of Your Life, Creating Balance, and Achieving Your Goals." And I met Yuri when. I had done a um, a talk. I spoke, I did a keynote for Microsoft to one of their technical groups, and it was really great. I do these webinar keynotes, which means I don't have to travel all over, but even better, the companies don't have to bring their speak their um, staff all into one place. So I spoke to about 350 people, I think it was, um, from all over, and then they recorded it for people who could not be on the call right at that moment. And you know, I spoke about my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask Along the Way. And one of the things that I really emphasized for this particular speech was the power of the question why. And Inuri actually commented on that in my in his book and where he talked about um, the power of why. And he said, I distinctly remember participating in a pivotal webcast delivered by me. Um And her main directive for the webcast was ask yourself why. So he did. And what I encourage people to do when they ask why is to ask yourself why five times in a row. I know it sounds redundant. And if you are a parent with a little kid, you know that they ask why incessantly until you finally say because or because I'm the mom or because I'm the dad instead of. Asking yourself why to get to the root of what is actually going on and the reasons behind the choices you're making, the decisions you're making. So Yuri did that. And the first time he asked why, he was starting to struggle with how did he gain all this weight? How did he do these different things? 
And when he really got down to it, he realized the true reason for it. And I'm hoping he's going to be able to call in any moment. But here's what I learned while reading his book. What I learned was I wasn't asking myself why very much lately. It was just easier not to. And I've been working with a group in town called Relentless Dietetics to help myself get my health back together. So they've got me focusing on eating and being consistent around eating, meaning working on my macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Well, I thought that I was eating enough. Actually, I thought I was eating too much, which is why I thought I wasn't losing weight. Well, it turns out I wasn't eating anywhere near enough. So they increased my caloric intake from 500 to 800 calories up to 1,200 calories, which I'm still struggling eating every day. But it wasn't just about eating more. It's about being consistent, which is something that I'm struggling with right now, which is being consistent in many areas of my life and helping my mom be consistent in her areas of life. So as I'm reading Ready, Set, Achieve, I'm looking at it going, why can't I be consistent? And it's because I'm putting myself last. I'm taking care of everybody else before I'm taking care of myself. So I'm thinking about all these things I must do, I have to do, um, how many people I have to take care of with clients, with my mom, with everything else. And then I take care of me last, which if you're a mom, if you're a woman, um, even if you're a dad, you tend to put everybody else in your family first. But what happens? I talk about it in my book. It's the whole oxygen mask theory that if you put your oxygen mask on first, like they tell you on an airline, then you can better able to help somebody else who can't take care of themselves because you need to be strong for them. And what I'm realizing is I'm taking care of everybody else but me. If you've got that going on, ask yourself why. Why are you putting yourself last? Do you feel that you won't have enough left to take care of them if you take care of yourself first? Or is there another reason? And for me, it was a lot of, well, their needs are more present at the moment than what I feel mine are because I wasn't even thinking about my own needs. There was a voice saying, I need help, I need help, I need help. So that was the louder voice. I wasn't hearing my voice inside saying to me, I need help, Laura, I need help, Laura. And I honestly don't know why I'm telling you guys all that this morning while we're waiting for the guest to call in, but it's important because I know there's a lot of you, I I hear this a lot from my clients, that you're not taking care of yourselves first. You're not listening to that voice inside. And I don't know if other people are experiencing this. And, And Sean, you know, we're talking about taking care of yourself first versus taking care of everybody else. I think that it can be a a very, uh, I think it can be a balancing act and tough at times. Now, I know you're ramping up for a new business and a number of other things in addition to what you do here. You're you're a very well-known musician in addition to doing this little side job. Considering all the this other is things the one you that do, keeps me grounded. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that keeps you grounded. So, how do you find time to take care of you, or is that a struggle for you as well? It, it's been a constant struggle, and in fact, uh, my last vacation was seven and a half years ago. If that'll just tell you, you know, I, here's a question for you: 
Do you get jealous of other people who take vacations? Because I've noticed that's coming up for me lately. I hear of all these people, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, uh, why can't I do it? But yet we don't do it. We don't. And and that's that nightmare. The jealousy comes from the fact that I see these completely exotic photos from exotic places all over the world that they're visiting or vacationing at on Facebook and other media. And I'm like, uh, I can give them, I can put up pictures of Vero Beach. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not the same, right? Because it's this not, is our, no. our normal. No, when I consider time out of town being the next city over Sebastian, when I go, you know, go there, I mean, that's <laughs> I have to, uh, you know, readjust and reevaluate exactly, uh, you know, my me time. Yeah. And, and you're married and you have children. I have two children, 23 and 19. So how did you as a parent take care of yourself when you have children i think it was very difficult and i think the the honest answer to that is i did not i worked so much that i ran myself into two heart attacks well that's not good you're not that mature old I know. old i can't it, use the mom it, hates when oh, it, yeah, mom right. hates when i use the word right, old right, yeah. or older she i'm likes, half a century old that's that's how i say it if i really want to you know know what 50 years old is i'm half a century Okay, so so I'm 53, so I get that. But two heart attacks. Two heart attacks. So what did you learn from that, or are you still struggling with that balance? Uh, No, still struggling with the balance. I I learned from the heart attacks that I was, in fact, not immortal, and I left the corporate world. I left uh, national touring and what have you, and now I kind of govern my own course and have a very creative and flexible schedule. That's as close as I've been able to come to a conclusion of some sort that has me thinking about me first, but I didn't think I could do it overnight. Okay, so it you takes ta- discipline. It takes discipline, but what was the mental trigger that enabled you to have the discipline? I, I, I think the fact that um, looking up at a bunch of doctors after they had just brought me back to life is what uh, triggered that I absolutely need to change overnight. So what does your your average day look like, taking care of yourself? What do you add into your day to take care of yourself? Well, I wake up every morning at 4.30. Okay, that's insane. I, 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 I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, that's my me time. Between 4.30 and 5.45 is my quiet me time my internet time, my news time, and uh, then I take out the dogs, I come here, and then when I leave here, I'm usually at the production studio doing post-production for you know independent films, commercials, and what have you. I eat a late lunch, because I know I'm not going to you know, get a dinner, and I probably get to sleep and conclude the day about midnight to 1 o'clock. So you don't get a lot of sleep? I do not. So according to the Ariana Huffington belief system, you're not getting anywhere near the quality of sleep. But yet, when I see you, you don't seem sleep deprived. I, it, I, w- I was very much like my father. He, w- he went to bed late and woke up early and had the energy of a madman um, and worked 16, 17 hours a day in the corporate world. And it never really affected him. I, I sleep maybe three, four hours a night, but I mm-hmm. always feel completely exhausted. <laughs> I I do it at times I do you know when you see somebody like here's a perfect example when you see one of those commercials and the couple's laying 
on the deck of a cruise ship, that will actually trigger exhaustion in my mind. Things really? Like watching that. people relax? Yes. yes. So as long as... Is that as... weird or what? <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you do not see people relaxing, your body doesn't connect that you need more rest. It, correct. Oh, I wonder. Maybe that's what I need to start doing. <laughs> it, 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 and, you know, I've, um, I, I got those CDs, you know, the ambient sound CDs. And when I do know that I need more rest than I'm getting, I'll just drift off into that ambient world of, you know, maybe it be oceans and birds or whatever. And, and that also helps uh, put me to sleep much earlier than I would uh, otherwise. I was watching um, Dr. Oz. Last week when mom was in the hospital, we're sitting in the emergency room and you, know, you have the TV on just to distract you. And he was talking about sleep and, and all those other things. And did you know there's a podcast out there designed to help you sleep? I did not. But everything's, you know, so technologically based now. It just it, nothing surprises me well, anymore. It's a guy telling a story. He literally lulls you to sleep with his voice. Telling you a story. As long as it's not a boring story and that's why you're falling asleep, I, 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 I dried out, you know. I subscribed to it and I meant to watch, listen to it last night and I didn't get to it. But the idea of it was it winds yourself down. And they, they did a scientific study with uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who runs the Amen Clinics, who I had gone to for some brain testing when I was going through a traumatic brain injury. And they tested this woman before the sh- before she listens to the podcast with brain you know electrodes all over her right. head and then they had her listen to the show and her brain completely changed that's pretty amazing i think that is so cool but that's about self care right so yet last night i meant to do it to try to get some more sleep and i didn't do it you see and and and, and that goes back to our self discipline and i think that is something that has to be really squared away before we can look at ourselves in the mirror and know that we're doing things for ourselves. So what's, what's your hook? Help me figure out why it is I didn't listen to that last night. Cause this is really important. Everybody, um, you know, this is not just about me. This is about a number of people. I work with clients all the time, helping them figure out their strategy and why they're not doing things. And it's really easy for me to help other people. <laughs> And I want you to get that. It's so much easier when you step outside to help other people. But to help yourself takes an extra level of discipline because we all it want does. to do for others. It does. And I was raised that way, you know, with a very strong work ethic and caring for others first and putting myself second. But I think if you're anything like me, you may not have wanted to do it because it may have worked. And that may scare you subconsciously. It Doing for myself may have worked or doing for others may have worked. No, doing that podcast, trying it out may have worked. That being doing something and subconsciously you just found some reason not to do it. Oh, because I I don't want it to work. I don't want to get sleep. That's exactly. Oh, because if I got sleep and I couldn't complain about not getting sleep and I wouldn't have the excuse to, um, to not. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. So what? So I'm getting something. Out of not sleeping. That, that's how my mind does it. When, when you know, if somebody, if somebody was to say, um, Sean, I can have all your habits fixed by tomorrow, I would probably run in the different direction. But that's just me. 
All right, and we're going to go out to a commercial break, and we'll be right back with more from It's All About the Questions. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Okay, everybody, we are back, and we're actually talking with Sean, my my favorite um, board operator, producer, sound engineer, and friend. Um, I screwed up with my guest. Apparently, I sent an email saying that he was on the show November 5th and not November 1st, and I'm really looking forward to have him on, so we're going to reschedule because he's about to go on stage and present something in 20 minutes he's out that, in that might have been a conflict that might have been a conflict <laughs> um he wrote a book ready set achieve a guide to taking charge of your life creating balance and achieving your goals um yuri diogenes and, and jody miller and there's lots to talk about it and actually sean and i are talking quite a bit about that anyway and i'm enjoying the insights i'm actually getting from sean who knows me from a different perspective i do um, yes. And, you know, he's right. I'm getting something from not sleeping. So what are you getting, everybody that's listening to this? If you have a behavior that you want to change, but no matter what you do, you can't seem to change it. What are you getting from it? What is the benefit? Because there is some sort of benefit, even if it's warped, right, Sean? It may be a warped benefit, but absolutely, you're getting some sort of benefit from not sleep. For my case, not sleeping. It might be from um, not getting the promotion. It might be from um, not losing weight. It may be you get a benefit from being angry all the time or drinking or what are some other things that people could get a benefit from that you don't realize is you're getting a benefit? Well, I, th- I think, number one, that, you know, the complexity of the brain is something that could, you know, you could talk about for seven or eight hours. I think that your brain learns you before you learn it. And sometimes we don't need to act but react to what the the brain's doing. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating, the whole act-react thing. Bob Berg, who's been a frequent guest on my show and is a dear friend who's written The Go-Giver, Go-Giver, Sell More, um, adversaries into allies and and so many more books. He always talks about you need to not react. You need to respond. And and I'd have to honestly say that that would be a good thing for me to do because reacting is not necessarily the best thing, <laughs> you know, at the moment. Yeah, because when you react, you're going off emotions. You're going Correct. past past patterns. You don't understand your reasons why you're doing it. When you're responding, you're actually stepping back or as I call it, stepping outside the frame, picture frame of the right. situation to look at it from all angles and then go, oh, okay, that's probably not what's going on. And then when you respond to somebody, you don't get the traditional reaction. You don't get them to react. They'll respond in kind. Right. And things move forward when you do that. Well, moving, uh, you know, growing up in a um, in a 50-50 being Irish and Scottish household. Oh, that <laughs> the had tendency to be uh, well, the tendency of everybody in that uh, that house was to react. <laughs> my my first marriage was to an Italian. Okay, and then you know about reacting. His family was half Sicilian, half Napolitan, and I didn't understand it when I walked into the house. They were always yelling at each other because that's yeah. not how I grew up in my family. Right. You didn't yell at each other; you talked. And I learned that that's how they express their love. It is. And and it was okay, but it took a while to 
understand that because it wasn't a concept from the world I grew up in. And, and, you know, the thing is, is that um, uh, our uh, reacting to each other wasn't driving negative wedges into each other. It was just being very vocal about things we disagreed with or that we should have done or what have you. It wasn't like an anger-based react. Right. And I believe we're going to national news in just a moment right now. And we'll be back with more about it's all about the questions. Remember, everybody, you know, I always say this at the end of the show, but the right questions really can change your life. So I want you to ask yourself, what benefit are you getting from whatever behavior you want to change today? We'll be right back. Everyone, I love live radio. You know what I love about live radio? It makes you think on your feet and shift at a moment's notice. So it doesn't matter what your plans are. You never know what's going to be happening and you may need to shift your direction. And I just found out because I I reached the guest that I thought was going to be on my show today and realized that somehow I had sent him an email with a typo on it. I meant November 1st and he, I had sent him an email with November 5th. So we are going to get Yuri and Yuri Diogenes and, and Jody Miller on the show at a different date and time. And I'm excited about it because he has a great book called Ready, Set, Achieve. But here's the cool part. Even though he's not on the show, we've been talking about the concepts because as I prepare for the show, I read the books that everybody writes. And for me, it started laying in a whole series of questions for myself about what I want to achieve, what I'm willing to do to achieve it, and why I'm not taking the steps that I need to do it. And Sean um, just gave me another piece of it. I'm still getting a benefit out of not sleeping. So what is it about that? Why didn't I not listen to this podcast that helps you fall asleep or do some of the other things? It works really well. If I take a Benadryl, I can just knock myself out and (laughs) fall asleep. But then even a half a Benadryl leaves me like completely muzzy headed for about another half day past when I take it. So I don't like to do that all the time. But achievement is something that for some people seems to happen quite easily. They sort of sneeze and money drops into their lap. They cough and whatever business venture they're doing seems to happen. They seem to be in the flow. It doesn't matter what they're doing. If they set their mind to it, it seems to happen. That's what you see on the surface. What you see below the surface, though, is all the steps that they're doing, all the steps they're taking to achieve that goal that they've very clearly defined. And Sean is launching a number of new initiatives. And, you know, every time I talk to him, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, you got to find a new manufacturer for this. You have to do this because something happened to derail. But instead of letting himself stay derailed, he's like, okay, what do I need to do next? I'm reading a book right now by uh, Merrill Rick Chapman called Selling Steve Jobs Liver. And Sean is laughing. You can let laughter come out across the mic. I mean, <laughs> it's just the title of the book. Uh, that that was unexpected, isn't it? That's what totally I, unexpected. I know him from my from the tech days. He's uh, the CEO of of Softletter, and they do metrics in the tech industry on sales and sales compensation and all this other stuff in the tech world, especially in the cloud software as a service world. And he and I were chatting and we found out we're both major Star Trek and Star Wars fans. And, and he told me that he'd written this fiction book, Stelling Steve Jobs' Liver. And I burst out laughing and I accused him of being a Ferengi. Now, if you follow the world of Star Trek, Ferengis will sell anything. 
If it creates profit, they will sell anything. And when a Ferengi dies, their body is dehydrated and like their DNA and other things are put into these little like coin-like things and they're sold. So you can own a piece of Laura after death. And the more you sell, the more famous you were and the higher your profits were in your real world. So it's a, a status thing if you can sell a lot of yourself for a high dollar after you're dead. So I, I accused him of being a Frankie because that's what this whole book is about, <laughs> selling Steve's job's <laughs> liver. It's an interesting concept because thinking outside the box well, I, I think that one of the things that I learned, and as you know, I was with Disney for a number of years um, before going to River Ranch Resort. Um, I learned to not only think outside the box, uh, but build another one. Okay, so and that so, was the that was kind of what we did. We we went beyond thinking outside the box, you know, so that we could completely uh, get outside of what the confines of the normal was. That's a really great point. I love it, Sean. So you you didn't only think outside the box. You built a new, because so many people, they may think outside the box, have all these great ideas, but never take action on it to do something with it. Not only that, but let's say that the box is just a product box, okay? There's not much you can do with a product box, but you can construct another product box. And now that's going to spawn a diversification. Now you're going to have a new product. You're going to have a new marketing campaign, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so for somebody starting out, you've got this new business. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to share it unless you want to share it because I know it's still kind of quiet. Um, when you decided to start this other business, it was not an area that you were intimately familiar with the business processes to do that, correct? Absolutely alien environment to me. So in your mind, what belief system came into play that said it doesn't matter that I don't know this business I have this idea I really feel it's valid that took you to that next step to actually getting funding and doing all these other things that you're doing to make the product I think it's just simply a drive to want to achieve what the end result is and that's to come out with a 101 percent American-made product that is light years beyond better quality than what people pay too much for and in denim products, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I'll that be online me. to buy it when it's, and when in it's fact, there. You know, I, uh, and I can mention her name. Gina Van Epps is a very famous seamstress, you know, Pink, Beyonce, Paul McCartney. She's with them all. Um, we've done this in less than two years, and she was caught off guard because she thought it would take us seven to eight years. And what caught us off guard, to be honest with you, is how very tough it was just to get quality products that were specifically made here in the United States. Not to, not made somewhere else and distributed in the United States, but truly made here. And denim was one of those. So Levi's always claims that their denim, it's all U.S. and all that. So what you're saying is a lot of that product comes from elsewhere? It does. If you if you read the uh, under the Department of Agriculture and other federal statutes, it's really strange. But um, to say that it's a USA made product, um, the way that they've created these loopholes in that um, you can get away with not having a USA made product. 
And, and Levi's, if you are 100% USA made, you know, I, I wear Levi's. I love Levi's. Right. They're like yeah. my favorite pants. We all do, yeah. Um, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a part of that. So how does somebody know then? Let's just go to this whole made in the USA thing. Um, if you're going to say that you are something, but the law allows you to skirt potentially to what the consumer believes, then how do you maintain your own integrity with that? Well, we can specifically show because of the manufacturers that we've put together to come out with these denim products that they're all in the United States. Um, Even to our thread, it took us eight months to get the right color thread that was made here in the USA. We didn't ever want to be confronted by a consumer that found out that our buttons, our hardware, our thread, or something like that came from another country. And that's why we went beyond describing our product as a 100% American-made product to a 101% American-made product. Well, yeah, if you took eight months just to get the right color thread that's actually uh, made in the USA, that's that's going more than 101%. Yeah, it, and, and, and the funny thing is the drive that I have, you know, I just am sim- simply relentless. I was not going to accept anything other than what we were looking for because I believe that... I believe that if it's an American product, it should be like it was 50 years ago, and that's last a lifetime. Do you remember that commercial from when you and I were kids about the Made in the USA label from the Union? Yes. Yes, I sure do. Yeah, that was a a major campaign that was done. Look for the Union label. Absolutely. And very, again, very Americana, very proud and spirited. I use, um, since I started this macronutrient-focused diet and I got my braces on, it's been difficult to eat a lot of proteins because they require a lot of chewing. Carbs are much easier. You can kind of mash them and they do taste better but <laughs> than proteins. But Relentless Dietetics had suggested um, True Nutrition. It's a website, truenutrition.com, to get some protein powders. And I've struggled with protein powders because... So many of them have artificial sweeteners in them and a lot of ingredients in the ingredient list that to me don't make sense and I'm reactive to. So they cause my brain to get foggy and whatever. And when I researched True Nutrition, they're American sourced products. So like the pea proteins, the rice proteins, the beef proteins, egg whites, all that are all American sourced and they process in the U.S., And I never understood how important that was until I started noticing I was reactive to other things. Um, And I realized that some of it was because other countries where some of these protein sources were coming from, especially some of the vegetable protein sources, their chemical laws are not as strong as some of the areas we are. Now, in some countries, they're stronger than they are in the U.S. That's right. Um, but where some of the stuff I was getting sourced were, so I was possibly reacting to pesticides or other things that were being used so that they can grip, have greater yields and lower the costs. So it's, it's, well, and I, and I think that goes back to, you know, I remember a time in the country when things were exactly what they said they were and we didn't replace food stuff being chemicals. We, you know, we didn't put that into food to raise profit margins. And we also didn't have corporations going out there saying, I don't want my product to last four years. I want that consumer buying our product again in two years so 
they they come up with a completely structurized, planned obsolescence assault on American products. My mom still has her original set of Farberware pots and pans. See? From when she got married in 1950, and they are still in perfect condition. We made, it was absolutely clear that the United States made the best of everything at one time. But that's changed. It it absolutely has changed. Just look at, you know, Sears, uh, their tools, Craftsman. Um, They still do. Craftsman tools still do have a lifetime warranty. So you can just go in with your old hammer and they'll give you a new one. The problem is, is that the metal is not the same type of metal that American steel used to uh, do, but the Chinese base metal. And you get tired of going back to Sears trading in these tools. So you buy, you know, something upgraded or better than that. I still use my grandfather's tools. I still have my grandfather's tools and, and none of them are broken. Yeah. My biggest issue is the handles. So the wood handles over time sort of are breaking down. I want the head, but I need a new handle right. on the hammer because right. the wood has just started getting more brittle over, yes. over time. Um, I love movies. I don't know how big a fan of you are of movies. It's not something you and I have talked about. We talked about music and stuff. But I just recently watched the movie Joy about Joy Mangano, the big QVC HSN star. She's known for uh, the Miracle Mop. She created right. a whole new mop right. and um, huggable hangers, which are in my closet everywhere. I love this woman. I love – she has over 100-plus patents. She was just a housewife trying – to keep her family together and get out of debt and what she went through to create this completely different product. But when I was watching the movie, what got me was she kept trying to get mop companies to buy her mop and license it and use the mop. And the response she got from people was, well, I don't want people to have their mop for the rest of their life, just like you were talking about. And we faced that. With some, and we faced that with some very large, and I won't mention them on the air, some very large chain retail clothing uh, corporations that don't want a product that's going to outlast their more expensive products that last six months compared to our jeans having a 20 or 30 year lifespan. I mean, that's kind of bad, isn't it? It, it? it is. And how do you counteract that, right? So a lot Which of my. You, I know how we counteracted it. We uh, specifically have contracted with exclusive boutiques and are going to do it online to give the, the customer the direct benefit. That's and perfect. cut the retail guys right out of the picture. Okay. Now, that, that leads to something that I've been wanting to talk about and have not talked about. Have you – now, when I was growing up, I remember the Sears catalog, the JCPenney catalog. You read back in history – more people bought things from the Sears catalog than anything else because there were no stores around. That's right. It was, it was just a counter. And then that disappeared, and everybody went to stores to buy everything. Now we are back to the catalog world, but they don't look at it as a catalog world. It's the internet world. It's right. Amazon. It's Jet. It's buying directly from a manufacturer or a company to buy their products. Sight unseen, just the hype you're hearing about it, what's on the web, you you know, maybe you've seen somebody with it, so you go to buy it. I think it's interesting that the world's gone forward yet come full circle it, in their buying practices. Isn't that true, though? You know, because really, if you think about it, the Internet is the largest catalog in the universe. <laughs> it yeah. really is. 
I, and I just find it fascinating that people aren't putting that together. At least nobody's talking about it. Well, the other thing, too, is that um, another difficulty is, is the, what the fashion world did was they redesigned sizes. Okay? And we didn't like that either. A woman is the size that she is. So let's make something that is accurately going to fit that woman. Now, that woman is going to feel more comfortable going online if she's a larger size and purchasing than going into some denim store at the mall, having a girl that's a size zero help her and, you know, not have the sizes available or go through that. That was another thing that we found from our data and research was they would rather buy it at a smaller exclusive boutique or straight online and know that the sizing was accurate. Okay, so is there like, a sizing chart where you where before somebody would buy, they have to measure different parts of their body. I know I can go into a store and try on denim or any kind of pant. I can bring in three pairs of pants in the exact same size, the exact same pair of pants, and they don't fit the same. That's that's because the material isn't good, and it doesn't rebound the right way. And how many other women tried those same three pair of pants on the past week? Okay. And how did they stretch them and move them? And, and how, what did they do when they put them on? What did they do when they uh, kicked them off? So by creating better quality materials, better source materials, improving the quality of the manufacturing process, you're eliminating that as much as possible for a woman. Uh, we absolutely are. And, and we thought that that was very important. And in fact, our... Our jeans will not hang on racks. They, they will actually be uh, packaged in a tin, a custom tin, with wrapping and, you know, so forth. And the sizes available on the kiosk rack are the only ones that you can try on. You can't get the ones out of the can, if, if you know what I mean. So you may try it on, and you like it, and then rather than taking that one off the rack that 100 women have tried or 100 men have tried, you get a brand new pair that's in the tin. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. So I'm listening to what you're saying, and I want everyone out there who's listening, who's thinking about starting a business or is even buying products, think about your experience when you are buying something, when you are doing something. What is your unique experience around buying that, and why are you being driven to look at that item, buy that item, and repeat buy that item. There's a great movie with Anne Hathaway and De Niro called The Intern. Absolutely loved that movie. The scene where he sees her showing the people in the, manu- in the uh, warehouse facility how to pack something and the love and the care because she said it's all about the experience. That's right. And, and whether you're selling a product or a service... There is still a packaging around that there that is. creates that experience. Yeah, and and you know, not to get into the movie too much, but the you know, it, it was just a great pairing of two very talented actors, De Niro and Hathaway. I've got to tell you, it's and, brilliant. And and they were completely opposite sides of the spectrum, but they come full circle into the movie to uh, to understanding each other's world and knowing they need each other. Yeah, on many levels, knowing they need each other. Yeah. And one of the other parts of the movie that really struck out for me, stuck out for me, and it's what a number of clients have said I do for them, is the perspective thing and, and all the different knowledge I have, was where she want, has been told by the people who funded her 
that she needs to bring in a CEO. And she's feeling that she has to do this. And De Niro has this very, very, in the movie, has a very long work history of moving his way up. And he's been in business a long time. But because he's older, um, he's considered less valuable, which is so not the truth. Your experiences are what make you valuable. Um, He has her realize that there's nobody that can run the business as well as she can. But she needs to surround herself with other people so that she can do what she does best. And I think that that was a great moral in that. Because like you, um, when at one point I had 117 employees, I was hiring them based on their experiences. I didn't care how many degrees they had or anything else. And I also hired them on their character. That's important. Absolutely. And, And what I had was 117 family members. And that's why we were successful at River Ranch. It's because you created a family of people that are caring and supportive. And experienced. And experienced. Absolutely. What happens, because I know this is a big question that a lot of my listeners ask, how do you know when it's time to let somebody go? I think it's one of the most difficult things that there is to do, especially as a boss. Um. I think down deep inside, regardless of what you know, disciplinary reports you read through or what people have said or what have you, your gut instinct will tell you when it's time to let somebody go. It just will. But often people don't want to, even though their gut's telling them they need to let somebody go, they go, oh, no, you know, maybe if I give them another chance. We do that in relationships. <laughs> and what, do we, what ends up happening? It's called divorce, you know? Yes. <laughs> Yes. And remember, I have five divorces, so I can't. Oh, you know. I'm still way below you then. <laughs> I just have two. Yeah. So. Uh, but yet I feel, you know, like I failed at times because of the two divorces. I'm letting that, learning to let that go. Well, it, yeah, I've just got to tell a quick story. Uh, all my divorces were in front of the same judge. And he said, Murph, can't you date these women? What are you doing? I said, I'm practicing for the right one. <laughs> and it was just a matter of almost just, you know, a template, you know. And, didn't, and then he did invite me to his uh, retirement party. He did. He's like letting you know that he's not going to be there for your next one. So you better get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so letting somebody go. You've had 117 employees. Correct. Is does it get easier when you have to let somebody go? And is there a way to do it so that there's no divisiveness? Yeah, I think uh, that number one severance pay, which corporations are getting rid of across the board, I think that's important not letting them go without that last uh, bit of money till they, you know, so they have some bridge, um, you know, money to get to the next job. I think doing it in a very polite and human way um, is another way. I don't think you have to rehash everything that they did wrong. And I think that uh, the best way to let an employee go is to know that you'll continue to be friends afterwards. Have, in your experience, have you ever seen somebody you let go ever still be a friend? I, I let go personally of five people, and to this day, two are millionaires and three are still friends. All right. That's so pretty amazing. So I felt confident, with the, especially with the two guys with yeah, all the money. Yeah. It was because I did that that they were able to stop being frustrated in a very small job and explore what the real talents were, and guess what happened? 
they're both millionaires. That's another brilliant point. Oftentimes, as a boss, you're frustrated with an employee's behavior or actions or lack of actions, where at the same time, that person is probably frustrated as well, but they don't know how to shake themselves loose of it. Correct. And, and, and sometimes you get in these, uh, these brilliant employees that you know that you could never, um, you know, kind of tame. And uh, you got to let them go because, again, it's important that they do what they should be doing. And that's steering their own ship, not working for somebody else. So the idea is when you let somebody go, give them some sort of boost of something Absolutely. that will help them see that there is a positive in this for them without saying, hey, there is a positive in this for you because nobody wants to hear that right the moment they're being let go. It's a very tough thing, but I think that there's a way that you can be kind and show them promise and show them that, you know, really uh, the, the last guy I let go uh, was a perfect example of that. I simply said, there's, there's no way that you're going to be happy here because, number one, you can't crawl up any ladder. There's no ladder to climb in your position. Two, you're too good at what you do. And three, you should be doing it for a number of people rather than just our particular company. You know. So you're building them up while letting them go, but in a true integrity way. You're not saying anything well, that's not truth. Way. Yeah. Absolutely. Truth is important at those moments from personal experience, having told that to a number of people and and having coached my clients through that. Sean, I want to thank you for being my spontaneous guest today. I've always wanted to get you on the air with me. So now I got you. Uh, Folks, in case you don't know, this is Sean Murphy. He is um, a friend. He is my producer, board operator, sound engineer. He's an amazing person. So thanks so much. um, You make this show happen. So thank you. And everybody, remember the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? If you don't know what you're asking, reach out to me, Laura at laurasteward.com, and let me help you ask the right questions. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.